Okay, welcome back, podcast fans, members, everybody. Um, we're doing another one of our deep dives here tonight. And as you can tell by watching, uh, we have two different guests on who've already been here, but they're not here to talk about themselves. We're doing a deep dive and a little bit about the career of Travis Fulton. And obviously, you guys know he's no longer with us, so I thought I'd bring on some people who know a little bit about his career. I think everybody here uh, has known Travis since at some time in the 90s, and he does have a fascinating, fascinating career which is the reason for this deep dive. So, uh, Mike, go ahead and lead us in and let these guys who have a wealth of knowledge of, of everything kind of help enlighten us a little bit. So I, I think the first thing that we need to kind of put out there before we get too deep into this is what Travis did was horrific. All of us can agree with it. There's nobody disputing that. And what he did was he took a guilty – he took a plea of guilty – for what the actions he did, he just never saw his day in court to accept it. So there's nobody here defending his actions. But when you look at the totality of his record, what he's done in the sport of mixed martial arts, what we are, we're an MMA history podcast. I, it would be foolish for us to ignore what it is that he's accomplished, done, who he was as a person. And I think we're going to be pretty brutally honest here, you know, and it's, it's touchy subject matter. But if we don't cover it, we've all known Travis since like the late 90s, me, you know, early 2000s. You're going to hear a bunch of people talk about Travis that have never met him. So we might as well do it here. So, Jeremy, I think you've known Travis the longest. No, Monty, you may have because you've known him since he was 17. Am I correct? Right. right. So why don't you let us know, each, each of you two, let us know how you guys met Travis. And let's just start the conversation from there. You want to start, Jeremy? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, Monty and I, I think we probably met Travis at about the same time, although Monty probably had better dealings with him because uh, on Travis's first fight, I was on that same card. So you probably had better, you know, close dealings with him at that point, but I met him that day. And, and I don't know, I mean, he was, he was a, a young, tough guy that was scrappy and, and willing to fight, and that's really all anybody knew about him early on. And then just, you know, I mean, most of us, I mean, his, uh, his career was fairly out in the open, you know, it was pretty, pretty public, I guess, fought every chance he got. And then at some point he just decided that it was more important for him to get lots of fights rather than quality fights. And that's, you know, and then obviously everything else just kind of, you know, went off the rails after that. <laughs> yeah. We, we met about the same, the same time it was, um, uh, you know, Jeremy was only one and zero when we when we met, so that yeah. was that was a few months wow. ago. That's bonkers. <laughs> Just a few months ago, and yes. uh, and Travis was seventeen. He had he had he had called me. I was doing my first extreme challenge, and uh, he got on that that first one. And then he, he I liked his his uh, I, I guess his enthusiasm. He was a young kid that, that went out and tried. He just didn't know a lot. And, but, but he was top street top. And so I kept putting him on and he actually fought for me. My first 20 extreme challenges. He Ooh. fought in every single one of them. And, and so that meant he, and of course he and Jeremy were together on a lot of them because Jeremy fought for me on al almost all of those also uh, stuff. But that's what, that's what I remember most about the early meeting was he didn't care who he fought. He didn't really weight classes weren't a big deal back then. He just loved fighting, and and he he eventually got pretty damn good at it. Yeah, 
Now, now Monty, would you say back then it seemed like seemed like back then a lot of the guys, I mean, almost would you say, I, I feel like that's just how it was. I mean, a lot of times you just like to fight. You fought a lot of different weight classes, whoever was available. Yeah. Was that not, you? I mean, was that pretty unique to just certain individuals or was it just kind of more prevalent back then? I, I guess, I mean, everyone wanted to fight. You know, when, when you, back then people, if they broke their finger or something, they would hide it from me. Or, or <laughs> even, even with a broken hand, they would say, don't take me out of the fight. Yeah. And the guys back then wanted to fight. You know, now it's like, you, you know, it seems like guys are almost looking for a way out of the fight. Yeah. It was a complete opposite because they knew if they missed this time around, they may have to wait six months. You know, they wanted to fight. And I just think Travis, what, what stood out for me with him was he was the one that would get on the phone and call me three or four times a week. Did you get me? You got me on the next one. You, get, you got me in. I mean, he just showed me that enthusiasm. And I was new to the sport. I was coming over from boxing. I just didn't have guys like that. You know, and and so that's what that's what he, he stood out. There were a lot of other Reliable. guys who were very similar um, that always wanted to fight. I mean, Jeremy was always greedy. He wanted every fight he could get. You know, and and uh, you know, and and pretty much I got him for him. I mean, you know, he to think how how many times how many fights I booked for him total. But but he uh, uh, you know he but he didn't have to bug me every day. He was when when they first started out. Jeremy was definitely the more talented of the two and, and uh, you could see him, I could see Jeremy really going somewhere, you know, and all I had to compare him to was Pat because at that time, Pat was the best guy I'd seen. And, and uh, you know, Pat was more well-rounded, uh, but Jeremy on, on the ground and stuff was so good that it, it made up for it. Well, well, Jeremy had incredible patience on the ground. Like, the pressure that people would put on Jeremy wouldn't phase him and he'd be patient. But when you look at the beginning of Travis's career and his size, like you're kind of saying the opposite of what Miguel and I had talked pre-prep thinking that maybe Travis looked like he had a little bit more upside than Jeremy initially. And then just kind of like the, the tides changed. You're talking about the early days, you know, you have Horn uh, who, you know, was coming in with his submissions clearly ahead. But I think that, you know, Travis, when he was focused, you know, could, could adapt that boxer-wrestler type of, you know, Don Fry type of approach, which, you know, at the time looked like he, he, it would work for him. And also, I think, you know, I don't know if, if he did steroids uh, at that point in his career, if he was just strong. You know, naturally, I think it may be a combination of the both, at least strength-wise and stuff. You could check off a couple of boxes where – Travis had a little more upside than Jeremy in some cases. You well, know, I'm more talking about the really early times when he was 17. His first fight for me was at 170. Woo! I mean, he was just a 17 year old kid. So was it Dave Strasser? Yep. Yeah, who was okay. a 170 fighter. That's so, not an easy so, fight. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's where I knew, and 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 at the time, see, I didn't know Strasser. I didn't know how good he was. So all I saw was he got beat, and and. You know, he, he looked tough, but he didn't know the ground. I mean, that, that's where he would get in trouble. Um, and so, to me, it just looked like a, a guy that, that was a good street-type fighter, but I didn't know how far he would go because the submissions weren't there. They, both of them made their UFC's de debuts around the same era, the around the same time. Jeremy, I think, was UFC like 16, 
and Travis are around that same time too. And, you know, right around there, they made it at the same time. They were very similar. And then, you know, you really start to see things go off the rails there because, you know, the consistency just wasn't going to be there. And like you said, he started to make, you know, bad choices with fights. The UFC didn't care, but they weren't going to bring you back either. Yeah. Now, now, Jeremy, you fought him three times. And when we did our deep dive with you, I, I'm just going to be real direct with you. I got a ton of respect for you, like as a fighter, as a person, gym owner, all of that. But when I went through your record, I see these Travis Fulton fights. And I talked to Monty prior to this, so which is why I'm bringing it up now. It's not like I'm surprised me with it. But you've got two draws against Travis. And yeah. my forethought is, and, and a win. My forethought is, okay, well, they probably drove there together. Their opponents fell off. They did a heavy sparring fight, got a little bit of cash for it, you know, called it a draw because no one got finished and, and went home. And then when it counted, you know, you beat them. Am I off on that? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the first time we fought, um, I was on the, uh, the undercard of when Pat fought. And I can't, I think it was Brennan. when he fought uh, Aslone. Pat Aslone, is that who he fought, Bonnie? Or was it Chris? It was on. It was Extreme Challenge Nine. Um, was that not Brennan? I think that was Brennan outside. Yep. Yeah, it might have been Brennan. Yep. So, but anyway, uh, so it starts raining, and uh, obviously we can't miss Pat. So I got moved <laughs> to after him. Uh, so I was actually the last fight after the main event, and it was super slippery. And back then we didn't use any judges. We just figured if it went the distance, then it was a draw because there weren't <laughs> enough people there to have. You know, to trust quality judges. We didn't really know enough about the sport at that time. Um, so that, that one was actually one of our uh, – the, the closer of the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, we were slippery. It was hard to move, and he's tough as hell. Uh, he always yeah. was. You know, he, he hit hard, and he just didn't care about getting hit. So, you know, you pair Back that with wrestling and aggressive, and he was a dangerous guy. Um, but, uh, you know, I still think I, I, I should have won that fight had there been judges, but – it is what it is. It was, uh, you know, a no decision. It was a draw. Uh, the second time we fought um, was a little bit different. Um, I, I, I beat him so badly he couldn't talk right for a couple of weeks after that fight. Oof. But again, no judges. So if it goes the distance, it goes to a draw. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then obviously the third fight was he was already kind of on the downward slide. He didn't much care anymore. He was quite a bit heavier um, and just, you know, he didn't care anymore. Just getting paid, I think, and wanted to wanted to rack up fights. So no, no, when no. did the switch happen? When did the switch happen from him actually caring to not caring? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I looked up his record, I could probably kind of zero in on it. Yeah. But you know, I think it was some point. You know, he had a he had a handful of big fights that didn't go his way, and then I think he just decided that you know if I can't win these fights, fuck it, I'm going to go after lots of fights. Yeah. I think now, people, Jeremy, Jeremy, would you, would you think that, I mean, the difference between you and him, obviously there's lots of them, but uh, you were always dedicated to your craft. And, I mean, even though you're fighting a lot, you, you put in a lot of hours in training. Did he not put in the – was he not dedicated to the training part? Not, Did he just go and fight? Is that what the difference yeah. was, you think? Yeah, you know, I remember early on uh, when I was in Iowa, he would come and, and stay with uh, Rick Gravis and a good friend of ours. And uh, Rick told me that, Travis was like obsessed with recording fights. He would, he would like write down fight results in notebooks from all yeah. over, you know, fights that happen anywhere all over. 
he was just recording everything. So he really was a student of the sport. He really loved the sport and he loved to fight, but he didn't want to work hard. Mm. He just wanted to go in and fight and have fun and win. And, you know, he wanted to win, obviously. But towards the end, he just, he's like, uh, you know, I'll take whatever I've got into the ring with me. And if it's good enough to win, great. If not, so be it. Because he just yeah. didn't want to train hard, but he you, did want to fight hard. You you put yourself at a pretty low ceiling there. You know what I mean? I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna beat your average guy and some good guys, but you're never gonna beat the great guys like that. Right. So you right. really put forth dedication, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that that helps explain yeah, a lot he, because he, he had a lot of fights. Yeah, he was very much a student of the sport, though. You know, he would he watched all the fights and he would he would study things and and you know he would learn a lot. Uh, just, you know, just getting more knowledge of the fights, who's fighting where and who's doing what, you know. But, uh, yeah, when it came to actually training hard, that's where he really would fail. Would he show up over at Militich? And on and off. Not not very often, really, though. He was, you know, I think I think people, it, it, they, people convinced him. He was, I, I remember when he went to Brazil, he got beat up pretty good. And and I think he he, he kind of got the idea that, okay, maybe that's, this isn't, I'm not going to be a, a champion. He wasn't, when he did show up to Pats, he wasn't doing as well. And, and uh, people, his, he had a whole bunch of like, I hate to call them cronies, but he had a, he had a whole following of really young kids that just thought he was, he was the, you know, the star of, of Waterloo and whatever, what we're over there. But um, yeah, he, he was the star. And I mean, he would, he had these guys run around if he needed a pop. I mean, you know, they jump up and run to the store and get him a pop. I mean, it was Travis Fulton. And they all they all started kind of saying, you know, you have more fights than anyone. And, and, and they, you know, the, the Iron Man thing came up. And I think there was a, just a point that he said, you know what, this is this is my future. This is what I can do. And, and he would call people for fights and he didn't care about the money. It, like he'd go to Brazil for 500 bucks if he just wanted to get there and get fights. And so right. th- they just started adding up and adding up, but so did his losses. Mm. And, and I think as, as tough as he was, he's a, he was a really good below UFC level guy. Not too many club guys are go- were going to beat him. And he, he, he actually kind of ran those guys over. But once you got to UFC level, he, there's not many guys. If you look at all those wins, you're, I challenge you to find – five wins that you can say that's an upset. I really don't even think there's five. They're all, they, there are some good ones in the beginning. There's some good ones in the beginning, gotcha. middle and end. But then it went, exist. I mean, the last 200 and some, if, wow. if, they, if they fought, if he fought someone good, he lost. True. And that's it's how you true. have 50 and some losses. And you, you know, the sport kept evolving and he was the, still Travis, you know, still even, fighting. even a young Ben Rothwell beat him. So, like, you're talking about a, an unpolished, unrefined Ben Rothwell, who was probably 18 or 19 years old at the time that he fought Travis. Ben, ben Rothwell at 18 was a friggin' monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Wasn't he, wasn't he, Jeremy? I mean, that, that, he, he, he was a 270-pound behemoth. You know, wow. I mean, that, he, his first fight for me was against Tim Sylvia, and and they they went to the to a decision and it was pretty close. That's wow. when I that's when I knew Tim was good because Ben was Ben was no joke. He was a big son of a bitch. 
Man. You know, but but you know, there again, Travis Travis wasn't a two hundred and twenty pound guy. You know, he knew what he was. He just he, he didn't train, so he didn't lose weight, and he he ate a lot. And, and you know, he he knew his promoters, like he like Chad Bergmeier. He fought more for Chad Bergmeier more than I think anybody else. It was because he could always get what he wanted on that show. Like Travis. He never took the hard way. He took the easy way. If there was a way to kind of beat the system, Travis was there. Yeah, sure. And, and you know? was, people would come out to see him in the Midwest. I mean, and, and, you know, he lived in the middle of Iowa. Chad, you know, was, was, was right there. And so it, it made sense. Chad, Chad was doing shows all over Iowa. And when you brought him in, it was uh, – you know, it, it, it was uh, having a name. He said he was a name guy, but really all he wanted was the fights. He didn't really care. You know, you didn't have to pay him much. So, so, so money. He, he would, was would also willing to do those Dan Severn fights that <laughs> popped up all over the place too, that were a little iffy. So, so, so money, would you compare him at all? Like you're a boxing guy and you know, I'm sure Reggie Strickland, would you compare him to like a Reggie Strickland or not really? No, he bet uh, Reggie. Re Reggie, um, his record is, is a flip-flop. I mean, you know, he's got the 200, yes. but not that he couldn't fight. But Reggie can fight. But Reggie can fight. fight. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think he's, he was better than, uh, Reggie didn't care. Ch uh, uh, Travis wanted to win. Okay. He, he, he enjoyed winning. I think Reggie enjoyed the game of, of taking on these guys and not letting them knock him out so he could fight the next day. You yeah, know, that so, kind of thing. Uh, so, but so for the people Travis at home, to win. yeah, for the people at home, Reggie Strickland was a journeyman boxer that fought under several names. He's probably got about 400 fights. I mean, maybe 250, 300 fights yeah. under his real name with maybe 12 wins and, you know, 200 no, some odd no, losses. No, no, no. He, more he was about 75 and 270 or yeah, something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he could fight but, a little bit, man. He oh, was yeah, impossible to finish. He was also oh, impossible. Yeah. He to didn't get finished. He fought every weekend. I mean, I fought him once, man. I mean, just... and Reggie also fought multiple, multiple world champions, and I think only a few of them actually finished him. Reg Reggie was a special fight, a defensive fighter. Yeah, he, he oh, was he actually get knocked out. If he got knocked out, he couldn't fight, and he was fighting on Tuesday again. Yeah. You know, and then on Tuesday he's fighting on Thursday. <laughs> exactly. If he gets knocked out, it's thirty days. Uh, you know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just to jump in here too and since we're talking about boxing uh we we do want to add and i'll mention a comment is that fulton took on probably about 50 professional boxing matches and uh it's a little bit hard 75 to, you know, yeah 70 70 I mean, 75 i mean if at some point he fought like chaz weatherspoon and 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 got at a, to a certain level I'll tell you, the last time I spoke to him, he confided in me, and he, he, was, he was still boxing and, and doing MMA, but he, for the 60, 70 boxing matches he had had, he said he made more money for those than he did for all his MMA fights combined. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind there. Yeah. And that's been fighting some good guys. <laughs> he fought Ty Fields. Remember Tyson Fury's brother. Ty Fields is? Yeah. And got to be one of the biggest boxers ever. 6'9", you know, huge roided out monster from Des Moines yeah. and we couldn't find anyone to fight him. And I said, well, I got a guy in MMA fight anyone. And we called Travis. He goes, sure. And then he gets <laughs> in and he looks at him and it's like, Oh, oh my God. I mean, that guy would, he'd step over the ropes like Tim used, Sylvia used to do. <laughs> and I mean, he was the most built guy I've ever seen. 
Like that, it was scary. And uh, yeah. he, but he came out and hit Ty with a right hand right off the bat, bam. And, and Ty like turns his head and then, and Travis went, Oh shit. Man, <laughs> this that is, was all he had. Back now. <laughs> yep. And so he's got, he's got Militich in his corner and about 30 seconds in, Ty hits him with a body shot and down goes Fulton. And he's laying on his side, looking right into Pat. And Pat's going, all right, Travis, just breathe. You know, and they're going six, you know, seven. Take your time. He goes, we're going to get up at eight. We're going to get up at eight, nine, ten. It's over. You know, they could have went 247, 248. <laughs> Travis, Travis wasn't moving. He was going, he, played, he was on his side. Pat jumps in and comes over and he can't move. He's, his body is completely frozen from that uh, shot. And he told me, he goes, that's the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. He goes, his uh, whole body just went numb. So, so Jeremy, Pat, Pat was over there. Hey, get up at eight. Yeah, no, that happened. Yeah. Jeremy, you spent quite a bit of time with him and had a different type of relationship than, like, let's just say, Monty. Why don't you describe your relationship with Travis or can you recall any stories involving him that might properly describe his character? Uh, yeah, I mean... You know, we kind of talked about this before. So I traveled with him for uh, about a year. I think it was 99. I just, you know, he had contacts all over and promoters all over would use him. And I just said, look, man, I want to fight everybody you fight. Anybody, anybody that contacts you for a fight, tell them I want to fight as well. So he and I went fought together almost every weekend uh, somewhere. So we traveled a lot together. Um, I saw a lot of times when he was bringing his buddy as his opponent. You know, a lot of times he would go in and fight tough guys, but there was a lot of times where he would, you know, he would convince his buddy that was driving him down there to come with so that he could fight. So Travis could, you know, get a win, get a fight, whatever. And he would always promise like, Hey, I'll just, you know, I'll take you down and submit you, you know, and <laughs> you got to fight. And then, you know, then the fight would start and Travis would knock the guy out. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's yeah. messed up. Um, I remember one time uh, we were driving back from the show and uh, I don't remember the guy's name. I, I want to say his name was Noah something, but I'm not entirely certain. Sean Nolan? No, no, no. It was Noah. No. Noah something okay. was his name. Okay. Uh, and uh, he and Travis got in an argument for some reason and, uh, over something minor, like, you know, when to stop to go to the bathroom or grab a drink or get food or something meaningless. And Travis just got pissed off at him. And reached up in the back seat and punched him in the mouth. <laughs> you know, just just rude and and just kind of a bully shit to do. You know, okay. um, you know that that kind of thing was was fairly typical. Uh, you know, that's that was that was pretty typical. <laughs> yeah, he um he when you look at his record, he's got like Dan Wheatley, Sean Nolan. Um, yeah, there's a couple yeah. reoccurring. Uh, Dan. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's there's guys on his record that he's fought six, seven, eight times. And then if you yeah. go look at that guy's record, he's only got eight or nine fights, and they're mostly to Travis. <laughs> I think Sean Nolan might be like two and 34, two and 42, yeah, something like, crazy like that. Right. But that's the thing. I mean, Travis would promote his own shows. For a while, he was running his own gym. And when he would promote his own shows, he would have seven <clears> of his <throat> students – enter an eight-man tournament with him and then rack up three wins on his own show, you know, fighting Jeremy, his own Jeremy, 
Jeremy, he fought, he went on a lot of those, he fought round robin first. So sure. he'd pick up seven wins and then he'd go, then he'd do the tournament. <laughs> so yeah. he could get 10 wins. He, uh, so, you know, he's he got a lot of fights, I guess. I mean, technically, if you get in the ring and you beat somebody up, it's it's a fight. But if you count legitimate fights against opponents that actually had a chance to beat him, I mean, he'd be down in the 50s. Like, he easily has 150 or 200 fights against his students or local people that had no chance of beating him. Wow. You or like you said, he brought, he brought girl, with them. Yeah. I mean, you can put me in the in the cage with a 12-year-old girl and call it a real fight, but we all know it's going to happen. You know, she's going to whip my ass like nobody's business, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the things. People talk about how many fights he had, and, and that was the point. At the end of the day, that was his goal, was to have as many yeah. fights as he could, be known as the guy that had more fights than anybody else, and he didn't care how he got them. There, there were, I imagine there was more than a handful that were – like legitimately fixed like he would just pay a guy to take a dive but most of the time he would just pick people that didn't have a chance but mm. well, we had a basically we, a fixed fight as well right i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna pick somebody that has no chance to beat you yeah. is that any different than paying somebody to take a dive so we had travis view on and they fought three times and travis is <laughs> Super nice guy. Like, Monty, I think the best thing that ever happened to Travis was running into you, and, you know, you took care of the guy. And Travis said that on the third time that they fought, it was on Bergmeier's show, he's like, I caught him open, beat him up, and in the ring, Travis is going, man, it's my hometown. Uh, just let me just get my hand raised. You get the money. You get the belt. Let me just get out of here. But I, I can't lose in front of my hometown. And, you know, if you know Travis' view, he's not going he's not doing that that little shenanigan because you know it's going to show up on his records a loss and that's not the type of human being he is right. and he's like no i'll stand here all night i'm getting my hand raised i'm getting my belt and i'm getting the money and <laughs> you know travis was trying to work a deal but travis was he didn't have a lot of character at least in my dealings with yeah. him and I think he was just kind of bringing view along, hoping one day he'd be able to kind of do a fixed fight with them. And it culminated into this fight on Chad Bergmeier's show where even Chad got in the ring and was, Hey, we'll give you a little bit more money. Could you, could you just not uh, get your hand raised because it's his hometown. We'll just kind of figure this out. And view wasn't going, but, but that's, that's kind of an accurate description of who Travis Fulton is. Uh, yep. No, it got to a point where all he cared about was the win and he didn't care how he got it. And that's how he fought so much is he would tell people, Hey, I'll fight for almost nothing. And they'll say, well, <laughs> it's going to cost us to get an opponent. Oh, I'll bring out an opponent. And then he'll say, he would say, you know, give me 500 bucks, give my opponent 300 bucks. And then of course, you know, the guy coming with him is not getting paid, you know? So he got 800 bucks. Wow. <laughs> Free ticket to the show. You can get in for free. Hell, yeah. He got a front row seat. He got to be in the cage, actually. <laughs> you know, so, now, so, now, this is a good thing in a way, you know, you talk about this stuff is kind of impossible nowadays, I would think. So say what you will. These were the good old days. If that's how you want to phrase them, you know, the commissions, I think, make it very, very difficult to have anything like this happen anymore. Right. So, so Monty, in, in this, you guys, this, in terms of on the administrative side, 
back then, now, you couldn't have gotten any higher on the regional level than that of yourself. Jeremy, when you walked into a locker room, no matter where it was across the world, you commanded respect based on the totality of your record. I mean, those are both of your reputations that you've earned. When a guy like Travis sees both of you guys, Monty, we'll start with you. Do you think there was any little bit of embarrassment about what he was doing because he knew that you knew that what, what he was doing was kind of bogus? You know, in, in all honesty, I don't think so. I think he was, he didn't care. He was so into it. I mean, it, it Travis, and, and, and I'm not just here to bash him because, you know, I like the guy and, and he certainly had good qualities. Um, but, you know, the integrity of the sport was not one of them. You know, he didn't care. He, he, he had a goal, how to get, you know, that he needed to get these wins and such. And he didn't really care how he did it. And he would tell me, I mean, um, and I don't know if I've even mentioned this to Jeremy before anything, but when I would talk about Jeremy, uh, Fulton really envied you. He thought anytime I said, um, you know, we talked about records and stuff and how many he had, he would say, yeah, but Jeremy's, Jeremy's the real, you know, I mean, he would admit it, you know, he goes, I, I know he's, the, he's the guy and, and, and stuff. He goes, I've heard him say that about yeah, Jeremy too. He would. And yeah. he said, he said, I know it. He goes, but he goes, this is my, this is my, you know, all I care about. It, he wanted to be the king of his hometown and he was able to get <laughs> stories written in the paper about him. And he was treated like a star in his hometown and yeah. and that's really all he cared about i don't think it embarrassed him jerry what about yourself do you think it embarrassed him when talking to you um i don't know if embarrassed is the right word i mean like we both knew you know it's kind of one of those things like you can make eye contact with somebody and you both know nobody has to say a word you know but again i like i agree with monty i don't know if it necessarily embarrassed him but he certainly wasn't gonna wasn't gonna try to brag up his fights. He's like, you know, this is what I'm doing. Yes, we both know what it is. It is what it is. Let's move on. You know, so maybe maybe embarrassment is the right word, and you know, maybe a little bit. But like I said he just he was doing what he wanted to do. He wanted to have the most amount of fights, and he didn't care how how he got there. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Now, Jeremy, when the charges came down in regards to his activities, um, did it shock you? Um, you know, wow. anytime you anytime you hear something that severe, it's a little bit shocking, uh, but but not really. I mean, Travis was. I mean, that that was kind of his lifestyle from from the first day I met him, like not the most upstanding and polished guy. Now, child porn's a bit severe. You know, like you said, the, the severity of what was going on or what he was charged with surprised me. But to find out that he was in serious trouble with the law, again, didn't surprise me. I mean, and it sounds like, you know, from what you're saying about all, you know, his other dealings with, you know, telling a guy who's going to drive him there, I'll do this, and then knocking him out and taking his money. This sounds like like an opportunist, and 
that's not just going to be limited to one part of your life. I would think it's going to have to be through all of it. When you think, I mean, if you, yeah. you know, if you're showing that aspect and doing that to people, you know, from the fight scene, I mean, when you, when you make sense, you can do that in every aspect of your life. I don't think you're going to limit yeah. to one aspect. Right. And like I said, that's why I, you know, I, the, you know, the severity of it was a little surprising, but not yeah. the fact that he, was in, that he was in pretty serious trouble. You know, I mean, you, you find out, Travis is wanted because he robbed a liquor store. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, not, not even remotely surprising, you know. Yeah. Wanted because he got in a bar fight and beat the shit out of some guy really bad. Not even remotely surprising. Sure. Not porn. Okay, that's that's a little more surprising. Well, yeah. manufacturing. In the ballpark. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I I um, you know, I mean, I knew I knew his uh, knew him for faults that he had with his with his integrity and things like that but i guess i'm i don't know i still that that kind of that kind of severe but not just the pornography but um you know uh you know sex with minors things like that i mean that's i mean i, I was just disheartened you know with yeah. that i guess more than anything and i hated that it was someone i knew yeah, it's even, it's even it's even like more dirty. Like you feel even dirtier. So in two thousand eight, um, Jeremy Jackson, um, California fame, he was accused, arrested of breaking into his girlfriend's apartment with a gun, ex girlfriend's apartment with a gun, had non consensual sex. She held hostage for a few hours. Goes to the hospital, does a rape kit. He gets charged and. His friends and family were online screaming at the top of their lungs. He's innocent. He's innocent. He's innocent. Like he's, this isn't true. She's this, that, the other thing. And they pulled their money. They asked people to donate money. It goes all the way up into the, uh, up into the trial before they walked in that room. The story was that he just got sick and tired of fighting it and took a guilty plea and is doing like 20, 22 years um, for his crime. So it shocked his family. It shocked everybody that was supporting him. And it was, it was pretty mind-blowing because the community at that time was much smaller than it is now. And I was at Chad Bergmeier's fight either a week, a week or two after that, where I ran into Travis, and it was coming out of his mouth. Like, oh, can you believe that, Jeremy Jackson? Can you believe it? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of messed up. And he goes right into a conversation about child pornography. But I mean, it's like I, I, I was kind of uh, I was kind of shocked, you know, at, at, at it as well. Chris, what was your take on it? Um, like I said, I didn't know him super. Only times I really had any conversations with the guy at all was at fights. Um, you know, starting in the '90s, you know, we'd be on some of this. It was a small community back then, and. I mean, to me, he was just this guy who fought all the time. That's really what I knew about him. I mean, I mean, obviously, back then, you saw him fighting the UFC, and anybody who fought in the UFC back in the day was uh, – they were one of the best guys in the world, you know. So I knew him as that. And then um, as his career – I don't know if the right word is dwindled, but, you know, he just – he kind of went down that road, like I said, that I would equate to more of a Reggie Strickland, but not the same. Like I said, just a guy who fought all the time, every weekend he could. Um, but with no real goal inside of greatness, uh, it was just to compete. So I kind of looked at him as that. And then, you know, I, that's kind of all I knew him as really. Uh, but just to hear this is like, man, um, 
I hadn't really heard too many stories of him, uh, you know, all the, all the advantages he'd taken of people, you know, I, I we didn't really run the same circles too much. So um, hearing all this is a little surprising to me, but um, it's definitely unfortunate, man. I mean, I hate seeing a guy who had uh, somewhat ability and talent the way he, I mean, you know, it, I don't think people realize the grind and how tough it is to make it in this sport and to be really good. You have to really dedicate a lot of your life to it. And, I get it, man. It's sometimes it's, not, it's easier just to take a different route. And it sounds like he yeah. took that route. Just it's fought a lot, but I mean, doing the stuff like Jeremy did, just taking all the hours of your life and how much dedication it takes. It, it is, it's a legitimate grind and uh, it's not the glorious thing you see. You're training all the time you're doing. It, it's, it's just a tough thing. So um, I would like to see him go that route, but he didn't. And, uh, but it, it makes for, I mean, it makes for interesting characters to have in this sport. Um, like I said, boxing is full of them. And, and I like people to know uh, all the different avenues and all the different things that have been in this sport. And he's definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, let's, let's, he's ahead, one man. of the pioneers. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you know, he's back there when all of us were just starting and, and there was no commissions and, and that, that's what, like we said earlier, that's what allowed him to do what he did. But towards, towards the end, I'd say five years ago, I talked to him and, and, I asked him why he was still doing stuff. And he goes, he goes that by that time, he was just trying to make money. He didn't oh. really want to have a job. And so he would, go, <laughs> you know, he was beating up nobody's for 500 bucks. It was money. He, um, I mean, if you look at the totality of like how he was, he had a rabid penchant for, for fighting because he, he took as many fights as he can. And as Chris said, you have to assume it kind of bleeds into other areas of his life. When the second victim came forward, um, it kind of let me know, like, wow. And they also had, like, zip drives that they had with other pornography. He was not only manufacturing this pornography, but he was trading it with people across the country, which is why the feds got in. Like, if you look at pornography charges on a local level, as horrible as it is, is, there's very little teeth. In, In the big metropolitan cities... Two victims, probably looking at six years, you know, it's not crazy time that you would uh, imagine or want the person to take on. But yeah, he had minimally two victims and he wasn't pushing it any further because I'm assuming the longer the investigation takes, the longer the time that's on the table and the duration of the time that was offered to him at this point was 70 years. If he took it to trial with what they had now. And if we continue opening these books, it's probably going to increase. And like at that point, you can't really add more years because you're going to die here. So what they do is they just put you in like states where it's always really cold outside. So you're kind of in like a real shitty state like Alaska, you know, something like that. And that's that's where where you lose your leverage. Um, Did it surprise you that he killed himself, Monty? Uh you know, I always wonder what does it take? I, I can't, I just have never been in a position where I was so unhappy that, that I would even consider it. I'm too happy be, you know, being alive. Um, so I, I, I wonder what it takes and what was going through his mind. What was, what was in front of him? You know, if he's going to do 20 years, I'm sure he's, he's thinking, what's going to happen to me? I mean, do I have to look over my shoulder every, every time? Do I, 
can I, do I worry about going to the shower? Do, you know, I, I, I can only think that he's worried about all that kind of stuff. It's what it takes to, I think, mm-hmm. to end it all, you know? But, Jerry, what's your take? Yeah, I, I kind of, I agree with Monty. I mean, there's been some ups and downs in everybody's life. Mine is, you know, no different, but never have I been in such a bad spot that I thought, you know what? I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. But I also, you've never been up on federal charges of manufacturing child pornography (laughs) Travis Travis didn't have an amazing life to begin with I mean he had moments where where he I'm sure was enjoying his life but like like we've all discussed I mean at the end of the day he's just taking fights for 500 bucks a pop because he doesn't want to get a job I'm sure his home life is miserable he's not living the life he wants to Hmm. he starts mixed up in some really nasty shit now it looks like you're going to spend the remainder of your life in jail. Most of it, yeah. Yeah, like, all right, that's that's a pretty low point. My life has been shit so far, <laughs> now it's reaching rock bottom, yeah. and it's guaranteed not going to get better. You know, you know, when I think about it now, when I think about it now, you know, I talked about how the way that he was seen in his hometown and how important it was that he was a hero and everything... Mm. That when I now that I think about it, that's all crumbling down. Everything yep. that he built all these fights on and stuff, everyone for the rest of his life, even when he got out, was going to look at him as like a piece of crap. So, yep. I mean, I, I'm sure his whole world came crashing. No anonymity, not where he lived. And if, if you look at the way he handled his fight career, as has been discussed, he's always taken the easy route, like the yeah. not a lot of work, a lot of talent, not a lot of work. So a, a Travis Fulton in a dormitory setting, which, I mean, you're looking at 30 to 50 guys in a dorm room. He's just sitting in bed laying at night going, yeah, 15, 17, 18 years of this. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I, I, I could see him just, eh. you know, I, I, Jeremy, I asked you about his character. Mm-hmm. Was he embarrassed? No. Monty, was he embarrassed? Nah. That's the type of guy that would do it. Yeah. yeah. Just the kind of guy that really was looking to coast through life. I mean, everybody would like to be known for doing something great. In Travis's eyes, it was, you know, the fighting career in his hometown. But eventually he's like, you know what? This sucks. I, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm done. Well, hmm. well hey, uh, I, I would just uh, like to thank you guys for being here and talking about this. You know, I, I think it's an important you know, uh, to, to talk about his career. Um, so yeah, I was glad you guys were able to come here, shed yeah. some light on this, help us out a little bit. Mike, you got anything else to add? Man, it's, see, it's sad. It's sad for everybody. It's sad for Travis's family. It's sad for the victims. Sad for the people that actually cared about him. And sad for the MMA community, you know? And that's it. It is what it is. Yeah, everyone's talking about him. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, got it, a, I, got a, I got a call from his from his. I believe it's his sister and and she wanted me to put a price a value on all of his belts and all that kind of stuff and he was asking her to because he was trying to sell off everything that he could I don't know what what he needed that for maybe money in prison whatever but they but she was calling and saying what asking me what they were worth and I said you know honestly the belts are worth something to the person that yeah. won them but but no one you know i i don't want a belt from someone else you know so <laughs> not not too, not too much 
and and right. she was disappointed. But they were going through his stuff, trying to at his direction to try to find out, you know, what he could get. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Jeremy, do I close this out? Another little story if you got one? Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of on the other side of this. I remember when he fought, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, a Brazilian guy that runs a jiu-jitsu school up in uh, Minneapolis, I believe. He was training oh. Travis Butte for a little while. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, is Aaron Riley one of Aaron Riley's first fights? Yeah, yeah. Come on, Chris. Uh, I know him, too, and I can't. And Mario Roberto. That's, That's it. it. There we go. Yeah, so I mean, I remember in that fight, I mean, Travis Travis was in it. And he took a hell of a beating. He never gave up. He never quit fighting back. Uh, you know, Mario was just too much for him, you know? I mean, he had a lot of potential, but in the end, he was just too lazy to, to really work for it. He was happy to just go as far as his natural guts would take him. Yeah. You know? You know, we, we do like the 50 fight club and, you know, Monty, you're in that category, obviously. And we had said, all right, what about Fulton? This is before all of this just happened, obviously. And the three of us were like, he'll be the last 50 fight club member we do just based on the totality of what it is we know about the guy. It's just, we, we couldn't do it. Like we couldn't do it. And, yeah. you know, Chris and Miguel, and I, we're just like, nah, nah, we know too much. Yeah. 